Bare midriff, exposed shoulders, wind blowing across your nips. Cover yourself up, if you want to, with Second Wind shirts. For a reason we can't legally discuss, our artists have had a little free time, so they've come up with brand new designs for our brand new channel and mostly new shows. Fully Ramblematic, Design Delve, Cold Take, and the Second Wind itself. It's some kind of bird. Act fast because some of these designs are only available for a limited time. We've partnered with Shark Robot to make the shopping experience as easy as possible. Because let's be honest, life is hard sometimes. One day you're happy and working, and the next day you're called into a meeting and HR is there and you're just fine. Head to sharkrobot.com slash second dash wind or click on the link in the description to check out all of our shirts today. And I think there's a desk pad too. That's fun. Hello, we should be live. I don't know. It says uh, someone told me we were live. Oh God, I've just been shaken awake in the shop doorway. Hello everyone, I'm Yards Crucial. Welcome to the second Windbreakers podcast. I'm joined by Marty Sleva. Second Windbreakers podcast as in the second episode or the second wind? It's a double, double winding. Double, Hello, double. I'm trying, stop trying to confuse people. They're already confused because uh, this isn't on the live channel. Uh, and uh, Sebastian Ruiz is here as well. I am here for New Game Plus of the Win Podcast. Yes, there you go. And we are—we have a producer now, Eric. Eric, uh, thank you so much for being our producer. Eric is the eye in the sky. So uh, everyone, yes. everyone, give love to Eric. Don't cause no trouble, or no. he'll get you. Uh, just to clarify things for the, all the wonderful new listeners we've gotten since we started Second Wind, uh, the usual podcast uh routine is that we'll talk about the topic for the first half and then we'll read out super chats after that so don't feel like we're ignoring you if you send super chats and we don't read it out we're saving them all for later mm-hmm. so just bear that in mind but speaking of topics what we talk about this week marty i am very excited this was a topic suggested by frost a uh, state of modern game coverage uh sort of piggybacking off a recent uh, internet kerfluffle uh, that had to do with um, um, the, an, an indie game that came out called uh, uh, Spirit Tea, which is um, sort of a melding of uh, like the, the vibes of a Spirited Away Miyazaki movie combined with like a Stardew Valley-esque system. It's not that game that was important, but it was a conversation around the idea of influencers and paying YouTubers for coverage versus expecting review coverage for free. So we're kind of going to use that to, to talk about the, the current state of video game coverage. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of meat on those bones. Yes, there was that event, and there was also another little event in which a corporate owner of a major gaming website uh, fired its editor in chief, and a bunch of people left to uh, start their own company. Uh, and what that means for what audiences actually want from their game reviews these days. Hmm? Oh, another exactly. company. What? Yeah, funny that. That's crazy. I mean, also the news news of sporting broke that like Reed Pop is thinking of getting rid of all of its gaming sites, including Eurogamer and, and part of Digital Foundry and VGC. So all sorts of not VGC, wow. uh, Digital VGC, Foundry, so. too. Yeah, they're they're part owners of Digital Foundry. So there's just a lot of there's just the media landscapes, a very strange place. So, um, yeah. yeah, just sort of chatting well, about um, um, all that in the reviews I think, context. Um, I think it's true. Something I've heard someone say recently is that there's not going to be any new gaming journalism sites in the old sense so no one's going to start one of those now because all the stuff like Eurogamer like uh, GameSpot 
uh, all of that. IGN. That's yeah. all like the old school way of games journalism. Mm-hmm. And you know the old Doug Stanhope line: "If it didn't exist, would you invent it?" I mean, yeah. I'm, and, I might. Maybe it's time to go back into it. But I say before we get too deep, there's three dudes here with three different backgrounds in the same space in the same podcast why don't we start off with like how we got into this space we'll start off with you you had to see with your 16 years how did you get into what how'd you become a professional so to speak how did i become a professional game correspondent sure well yeah. the first step was playing video games my whole life boom Gaming. and uh having a lot of opinions on them uh i wrote uh, like a personal blog that occasionally had game reviews uh, for quite a few years, tried to update it as often as possible. Uh, the, I actually got into print magazine journalism uh, in my early 20s when I wrote a couple of features for Australia's Hyper magazine. But I also dabbled with uh, doing some freelance stuff for certain websites for a while. And uh, then I put out a little video review that I called a fully ramblematic review on YouTube, which went viral. And then the escapists came along and offered me a contract to do zero punctuation every week for 16 years. So that's how I started. Dun, dun. And I'd say the important ingredient was having played a hell of a lot of video games and wanting to write about them, even when it wasn't actually my job at the time. There you go. So you're saying the way in for you was to just do the thing. Just have the experience out the background it's, and do the it's thing. It's surprised how often it comes down to that. It's like if I hear people talk about saying, hey, I've decided to make a living writing novels. Now all I have to do is write a novel. I would say to them, "You, you automatically have the wrong attitude there, mate." Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. sort of thing you have to love doing, so that love can sustain you the, through the period when you won't be making any money from it, which will probably extend to the end of your life, statistically. There you go. Yeah, if, if you love it, when like there's there's no reason to outside of whatever it is, like that's just the best time to get going. Right, yeah, Marty, basically, you have been part of a major outlet and yeah minor outlet. yeah how'd you i uh i started uh when i when i was in uh college i was the uh the arts and entertainment editor for a school newspaper and that's when i published my first uh video game reviews and movie reviews and everything uh after college i moved to san francisco and wanted to work in some sort of magazine or website not necessarily video games but something in sort of media and entertainment uh, a lot, uh, several years of failed uh, job interviews, and then finally um, kind of stumbling into an entry-level position at a site that no longer exists uh, called oneup.com, uh, where I was. I started writing guides, uh, because if there's one person who's very good at video games and should tell you how to complete them, it's me. And uh, very one of my first guides was Dark Souls when Dark Souls launched at the end of 2011. And it turns out it was very scary. And I was very bad at writing the guides, but everyone's like, you have interesting thoughts on the game itself. And then I transitioned over into um, just the, the editorial team. Um, one Up was, was purchased by IGN, and uh, I became an editor at IGN and worked there for five or six years, um, and then uh, ended up here. So um, yeah, it's uh, ultimately, I, I think I have more experience in the kind of quote unquote traditional gaming space, which a lot of times you're going to hear me um, kind of go to bat for the bigger sites, because I think a lot of times a lot of misinformation gets thrown around about them, and I can give some firsthand experience um, for those. But yeah, it's fun. It's funny you mentioned your IGN review, because I think there was a video of someone doing Dark Souls, but using the IGN guides. And how terrible it was? Yours. Yeah, I think I think to be fair. It was a wiki. Here. It could have been re-edited several <laughs> times over. Who knows? 
Glad you. Uh, yeah, how about you? I'm in. I'm in the in between here because um, it does ch- chalk it up to a lot of sort of like your life experience can lend itself to your success. Um, my way here was probably the most untraditional, unorthodox manner in that I was just kind of wandering around, hitchhiking, kind of homeless. Then I was stuck in Jersey because COVID hit with the big lockdowns. And I was like, well, I need to make money quick here soon. And I figured I was like editing, but let's let's make some videos. Let's make some YouTube stuff. So I grew to a 25,000 follower uh, Twitch stream. My YouTube grew to like 50K and that was all in three months. So I did take that traditional path of content creator. And I got to that point where I was like, I want to do video game stuff, but I'm so sick of just doing this same video game. And so that's when I started shopping around. And I was like, okay, I've never done actual reviews before. So I'm going to go ahead and just try a couple of like reviews. So while I still have that like huge love for making videos and that kind of content, I did almost have to almost compromise in a way for money, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And because I couldn't, my stream would just die if I was just like, I'm a variety streamer now. But it's like, no, you can do variety at these review outlets. And as mentioned before, the nice thing about uh, working for a company compared to working for yourself is you know where your paycheck's coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to get to here. Nothing separates us from content creators and influencers as far as starting. Doing, just do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. But what in our times now has really gotten us, like what separates us from, not us versus them, so to speak, but I would even say my, my old content creator self from my now critic sense. Yahtzee, you, you mentioned once that um, you didn't finish the darkness uh, you, and that yeah. you hold yourself to different standards now over time. So what are these standards? What is this environment lending itself to that does sort of separate us from you know, just non, non-critics, non-reviewers, I suppose? What is, what is it that separates us from all the influencers who are just personalities and aren't necessarily? Uh... I suppose, yeah, I'll, I'll bring an example. So like when I was a content creator, there's no code of ethics I had to follow. You, like, no, I could completely not. skip out on that mm-hmm. or, or just be unaware, right? So um, I could also get stuck in my own bubble because the only people I'm talking to are myself and the fans, so to speak, whereas at The Escapist, at here, I'm talking with people who have different opinions from my own. So like, that's the sort of stuff that is offered in a more traditional space compared to, say, a content creator and an influencer. I suppose that, I guess it is ultimately down to uh, actually knowing what you're talking about versus just having a nice personality and a nice sounding voice. Great that you're the full package, by the way. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, well, let's get back to the original like uh, drama uh, yeah. around all this, which was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll which, uh, out, yeah. Spirit Tea, which is a title <laughs> I kind of hate. <laughs> Never end the first word of the title with the first letter of the second word in the title. Oh, it's a literal title that you hate. I mean, is it spirit yeah, literally just like the title? No, I no, I gotcha. Is it spirit tea or spirit tea? This, spirit these tea. are the sort of things it's, that annoy me. Spirit, uh, spirit, it's spirity, yeah. Because the the drama there was that the publisher of the game was getting kind of butt hurt that nobody was streaming it, and uh, you know, I suppose it's a, that's a question of fairness because you know. The world of influences is a world where, like, someone like PewDiePie or whoever's popular now, Mr. Beast or whoever, can just pick a random game and, on their whims, ensure the success of that game. 
Uh, and it's nothing to do with like the individual merit of the game. It's just whatever appealed to that specific influencer in that moment. And uh, it can be frustrating, I suppose, if you're a video game publisher, uh, trying your hardest on games that whose developers work very hard on to get the eyeballs they want, and then being denied it because of the the precocious whims of a select elite few. That seems to be the world of influence, uh, like uh, marketing. Uh, so this was uh, the publisher, uh, um, No More Robots, Mike Rose, the head of that company, who published games like Hypnospace Outlaw and Yes, Your Grace and Descenders, which are three games I really like. Uh, has He's like really open and transparent about um, business and the economics of what they publish and like deals they make with Game Pass and things like that. Like his Twitter yeah. threads have been like super fascinating. Um, and this thread was talking about how after a week or whatever it was, a few weeks, uh, Spirit T had made back its money, had recouped its costs. It was a single a solo developer. So all these good things. But then saying, uh, however, if you go to YouTube, there's not a lot of YouTube coverage. And he, in fact, he said there is no YouTube coverage, which kind of sucked because there's <laughs> smaller YouTubers were doing coverage. So that was one thing where, like, I completely disagreed with him. But he said he they reached out to um, several YouTubers that might like a game like this. And their response was all, well, we need to get paid for this. In order for us to cover right. your game, we need, to, we need to accept payment for it. And he comes from a background of wasn't that long ago when when the, the entire internet was was on fire because of ethics and games journalism and <laughs> the idea that the separation of church and state and the idea of of going to a place like IGN or GameSpot and being like well we're not going to cover the game unless you pay us for it would would seem like blasphemy like that would be mm. absolutely legitimately unheard of whereas now these um these influencers these creators these people who've developed like a cult of personality around them that is how they uh, make their living. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think uh, the problem comes when the audience has a hard time discerning what is a review versus what is a piece of coverage that isn't a review versus what is criticism versus what is sponsored content, which is ostensibly creative advertising. Well, these um, are all so things there's, that... There's a lot here, yeah. That's the little shit that needs to get shaked out in, like, the early days of a new form of media. Ideally by <laughs> law. Yeah. Saying things like, you have to say if this is paid content. Yeah, you know. hashtag ad and all that all that stuff. Uh, um, a you, lot of people don't, though. Um, well, you got to wait, wait, wait for people to actually try to test their limits before you can start legislating this stuff. It yeah. Need, you need precedent in a court of law. Mm -hmm. But it really um, does seem uh, like... It doesn't seem like there's been a sort of upending of things in that it used to be the case that the publishers were in the privileged position and the journalists would have to come to them and say, oh, please, can we have your games? Oh, please, oh, please, we would love to cover them. Um, but now it's like there's a million billion games to sell on people trying to sell their games. And it's the media who are like the in the privileged position saying we're the ones who that control the audience. Mm -hmm. And the publishers have to come to us saying, oh, please, oh, please, play our games for us all to see. Oh, please, we'll be ever so good. That's what's weird to me, though, because they're in this sense of, like, having all the power and having no power. If you are so powerful that you have all this sway over audiences, why do you need a bit of money from the publisher, you know what I mean? Where, ideally, YouTube's the one foot in the bill, right? That, that was, like, part of the discussion, part of the drama that came up is that he's sort of Mike, uh, Mike Rowe. Was it Rowe? Rose. Not Rose. Rose, there it is. That he's kind of like shitting on the smaller coverage, but the ones stepping in that are sort of being insulted are the ones saying, well, that's my livelihood that you're ruining here. Whereas mm -hmm. coming from that background as someone who went from homeless to content creator, you don't commit to YouTube when you can't pay your bills. 
Yeah. No. Like that that's just a weird stance to bring up like my rent. Because of my rent, I should be getting sponsors. I should be getting paid. No, you shouldn't be YouTubing. You shouldn't be relying on that for your income, basically, so to speak there. Also but comes people down do, to But this, people do make an income from it. And I think uh, yeah. if, I mean, as a creative, I'm very invested in people being paid money for their work. So, you know, I sort of understand a big YouTuber saying, hey, I need to be paid uh, to do this thing on your game. Because otherwise, if, if they don't ask to be paid, that's sort of cheapening the entire uh, industry of uh, YouTube content creation. So you you got to charge money. you got to charge money because then it has value. If you don't charge money, then it has no value. That's just economics. That's fair. But well, and that's like their biggest commodity is their time. If you are a solo creator or you're a creator and you have whatever, an editor or two, um, Time is ultimately, and this game came out in the busiest season of the year. This game came out surrounding, Yahtzee was just saying, I wish more people were talking about Talos Principle too. And I just think it came out at a really shitty time when not only are a lot of games coming out over the past month or two, but people are trying to clean up games they missed from earlier in the year. So it's it's small things slip through the cracks. And I, I understand if a creator is like, I can either spend my time doing Spirit Tea or uh, uh, Sega is coming to me and saying, we'll give you X thousands of dollars to play Persona 5 Tactica or the new Like a Dragon Gaiden game. I don't know. Financially, it makes more sense to do that other one. I guess. Gosh, remember when it used to be about just giving exposure to things you liked because uh, you liked them? Yeah, yeah. Which is fine if you could pay your bills at the end of a month. Um, the uh, March of Progress. Yeah. I also think the, the problem is, again, I said it earlier, but that uh, everyone calling everything a review. The number of times I've heard people <laughs> say, oh, that uh, extra punctuation review. And it's like, well, that's not a review. Or, oh, that cold take review. Well, that's not a, that wasn't a review. That was like a topic discussion or that review. And I'm like, that was a fucking podcast. I don't know how you it, thought that was a review, but like. It's, hey, video Hesse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't then, know. Like, what? Sorry, Frost, go ahead. I was saying, but then as I was pushing through to that review and when they pay, the other thing that was being brought up was like the unbiased nature of a review. Can it be without bias? Can any review be biased? Like, well, without there's biased no, it's art. It's not yeah. a toaster. No media can be unbiased. Even, yeah. uh, you know, the most unbiased news source in the world still has to pick and choose what stories they put out. And that yeah. reflects bias. So you're never and, not going to be biased in the media. I mean, no. I mean, an unbiased, a perfectly unbiased game review channel would review every single game that comes out, and ain't nobody got the time for that. Imagine what that would look like. Yeah, it would be literally uh, the only channel on YouTube. Also, an unbiased <laughs> review space. would just be a bullet point list of features. It would say yeah. the game takes an average of thirty hours to beat. The game has this many graphics, and it has this many sounds. Like that's an unbiased review. Like the idea that someone would want to come to rev a review and not hear like the history and the background of the person reviewing it through the lens of that thing is baffling to me. Like, what do you want? Like that is staggering to me that like there are a million different people who talk about games on the internet. And the fact that you would get mad at one for like 
for projecting part of themselves on the art is it's either you could take this art form seriously and that's how art is critiqued or we cannot take it seriously and it's a product and we review it like a consumer report review of a refrigerator oh i'd buy more games that way no if yeah that is just that is that is the big question now of it's um even oh. after a cold take or even after the fact it's just like will i enjoy this game there's this fear that i might not purchase something that i will enjoy and that's well, what's sort of that, yeah. this whole thing there i mean all that talk of wanting like an objective unbiased review that feels like um people expecting the old world of reviewing people expecting the old magazine reviews and like GameSpot <laughs> reviews and that sort of thing that uh, people are just wanting like a review score that can support their previous uh, opinions. But I think that all might be like getting shed as we move into the current age of the reviewer, where the reviewer is just random influencers who are just, who, uh, and it's all personality driven rather than uh, uh, objective coverage driven. Hmm. So I think it's a, I think it's an unspoken agreement between the audience and the personality-driven influencer that they they are going to get all their content through the lens of that personality. I think most uh, viewers understand that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've done sponsored streams before, Frost and I. We've streamed games before that, and we've been very honest that we were streaming a sponsored game. Like, we played uh, two demos back-to-back. And this was being sponsored by the publisher, and we were being very honest about that. And at the same time, we were talking about the game through the lens of our experiences and saying these things are really neat in the game. And granted, at the same time, you do, if you're being paid for something like that, you do pull your punches. Because I'm not going to go in and shit all over a thing I'm being paid to cover. Um, or you lean into it even more to try and make up for it. Yeah, you take the internet historian route. Yeah, where it's just like, oh, you paid, and I'm not sure if I am pulling back. I'm going to lay into it a little bit more just to make sure. And now you just go and buy us both ways. And then you don't get paid again by that company. Um, sure there's a lot, lot of publishers that have considered uh, asking to pay me for a zero punctuation review of their game on the ex expectation that there's no such thing as bad publicity. Sure, especially a smaller game that you might not cover yeah. you know yeah i was gonna ask about that because um totally. josh strife if you don't know he does he's the big like mmorpg specialist and yeah. he always does the like worst game series whatever and i'll be an online paid for their video where it's like you, know, you don't have to change anything we just want to pay for it and he's like okay mm -hmm. he did get a bit of shit for that um because you know you trust that he's not going to change uh any of his views in any way do you think this is Something reasonable, say someone with an established style, 16 years, if they go, hey, we don't care what you say, we just want to pay for it. Well, it's, uh, it's at least some kind of uh, filter. Hmm. I mean, if the alternative is just, you can't review everything, so we just review everything on a whim. Mm -hmm. uh, just being exposed to something just because the creator paid you to cover it is as good a way as any, than just hmm. stumbling into it or playing it on a whim. I mean, as long as that all that relationship is all made clear up front, and uh, the dude made it clear that he wasn't going to hold back his opinions. Yeah, see, I, I like mean, that. that's where like the the weird boundary between like I don't know, Josh Strafe doesn't have like a code of ethics, doesn't doesn't write for the New York Times, you know? I assume didn't go to journalism school or anything like that. So, does a person like that have to be held to the same? Like, isn't it ultimately like? in the eye of the beholder to view whether like how they feel about that 
Well, the only mechanism that can act against that is the audience no longer watching. Sure. YouTube yeah. is like a purely libertarian society. Hope you're all enjoying it, because this is how it would work in reality. And the thing that the thing that I always get pissed at, I have no, I like, I, I, there's, there's um, YouTubers and video essayists and and just influencers that I genuinely enjoy, but I hate this myth of the honest review and of the like yes. we've built up we've built up a uh, uh, a sort of an mm. us versus them which is everywhere in society it's in it's in sports it's in politics it's in fucking marvel and dc um but uh, uh they've built up this idea that um traditional games media is corrupt and you're coming to me because i tell it like it is but mm. also i'm being paid to play this game and it's like that's fine but don't try to weaponize that bullshit like it's it's yeah that comes from i think that's more my background youtube didn't go this route you almost do have this sort of chip on your shoulder it's it's a view i would say is more common for content creators that haven't been proper reviewers whereas you wouldn't expect it from a reviewer who hasn't been a content creator so to speak in that way mm -hmm. um i still i don't know how to get rid of them but i also figured it'd be a growing uh, scenario for myself my you have honest two, reviews I see. I did. I did. I did have two honest reviews, non-critic ass, head ass reviews that I can't delete, and uh, I'll just I'll just leave them there for all to see. Where it does come from this angle of like us versus them. They don't know what they're talking about. And even though I figured I was being incredibly unbiased, I looking back, I was so so biased. Well, speaking as someone, actions. speaking as someone who's occasionally taken the position that, uh, they try to be a bit more honest than a sort of a corporate funded uh standard GameSpot style review sort of thing i do think it's true that something like a GameSpot can be held back a bit by uh, certain obligations i do think it's true are you <laughs> You got we're that getting, look on your face, Marty. We're getting in there again. We've argued about this before. But yeah, we've, we've, we've argued yeah. over this before. I do think there is a certain amount of restraint in that sort of environment, if only because people won't use uh, really bad language and abortion jokes. <laughs> and that is, I will say that yeah. was frowned upon under corporate leadership. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So... Honesty for some people is just uh, being unfiltered, I suppose. Sure, right. Yeah. So, so you think a dishonest you had to have one less abortion joke? Yeah, I think a dishonest right. review is just there is like a sense that uh, um, in the gaming media, which was very sort of sort of bubbled up to the surface during the whole GamerGate thing before that all went to shit is that uh, gaming media does feel like, at least like in the mainstream sectors, it has a closer relationship to publishers than it does to its audience. Right, right. And I think that was, uh, it almost does go back to that time. It was Sterling, who was last, last week, left um, Escape because they were saying, you can't go all out on yourself because we still need that work relationship. Yes. Right, so, so while no one's getting paid for reviews by big corporate publishers, there is a certain amount of pressure on those outlets by big corporate publishers. 
But that pressure is not felt by the critics. In my time at IGN, that pressure was never felt by the critics because there were several layers of protection. And my reviews editor at the time was Dan Stapleton, who's still the reviews editor at IGN, who uh, is got fucking thrown into the into the fire because of his Starfield review uh, a few months ago. Because I think he gave it a seven or something, which is just it's on that scale. It's calling the game good. And so I think people who hated Starfield were mad at him for giving it a seven and people who loved Starfield were mad at him for giving it a seven. Uh, but he, more than anyone I've ever worked with, was a shield of bullshit in uh, in, in in an incredible way. So, uh, again, I have my own personal biases on this because I spent so yeah. much time at IGN with these people. Uh, and so I will always go to bat for them. Uh, but uh, I, I understand where you're coming from when it's like, you know, oh, so you're reviewing the new Call of Duty, but also Activision paid to have the entire website skinned in Call of Duty stuff. But those are yeah. completely separate entities. Right, um, right. But I'm talking about audience perception. Sure. How the audience perceives like there's more of a corporate yeah, influence. Yeah. Like, and, and that is really because matters. of the YouTubers who talk about that like honest game review and be like, well, don't not, go to them for it, come to me for it. Just that, but I will say, even when I wasn't involved in the space and, and talking to other people who aren't involved in the space, it does, that's where I try to think of it from the audience perspective. It doesn't matter. If it, if this is my first zero punctuation and I see that Yahtzee was paid for it, and but he's changed nothing, but he was mm -hmm. paid for it. My mind now, I as a, a viewer of the review is biased to think he's biased. That's, that's the problem that we're dealing with here. Right. Yeah. Is that an and uneducated so, an uneducated viewer? Is that what that falls hey, on? Well, the way I care is like reality. The reality of the matter, reality doesn't matter. It is all about perception. If the vast majority of your audience is uneducated to the ways of how games criticism goes, and they should be because not everyone is a reviewer, then it's just the perception we have to deal with. So and that's what's causing like the stickiness in the spirity situation. Yeah. Because so I, yeah. Because you know the. Uh, influencer reviewers have created this perception that they're purely personality driven, that they're purely acting on their own whims, and uh, that as such being more honest. And then it comes out that they actually are uh, charging money from the game creators to cover their games. That sort of some people have a sort of little mental record skip when they hear that, when they already have the perception of the YouTuber being the quote unquote more honest uh, outlet. And yeah, I that's where that's where the whole like debate has been sparked, I suppose. It, it is although, a, pers something. although I'm personally on the side of the influences on this, you know, because uh, you know, I'm an honest internet reviewer. Are you? <laughs> I saw what your original video looked like, your uh, Alan Wake. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, the last bit near the end there. I'm, see, I'm of the matter where it's like public perception is the important thing there. Um, but then the other thing is, I don't think there can be an honest review. Well, paid that, coverage, I'm all for. If you're just like, hey, I was paid to cover, you are now marketing, you are now reviews, sure. you are now a billboard. And Wonderbot, who is a, a big indie influencer, content creator, whatever you want to call it, he says, that's what we are. We are billboards, and maybe it feels scummy to some, but that's just what we are. Truth of the matter is when we get paid, we are not reviewing anything anymore. Mm -hmm. We are just covering it. We are in a... The problem is that definition of review. People lump all that in. People will lump like a drunk tweet and be like, look at that review. Yeah. It was like, I was making a joke. I didn't mean so, it. 
Right, so ultimately it comes down to transparency. And ultimately the only way that can be assured is through legislation of the as yet wild, uh, lawless days of Frontier uh, New Media. Yeah. With it, I don't think you can be 100% understood, but you can do your best to be clear at all times. So clear that anyone else, if they get the wrong idea, someone else can go, you're stupid. So like me, maybe this yeah. is too much. If it's paid and sponsored, I want it. So if you scrub at any point in a video, it says add. You like know, it's it be like an overlay, like yeah, an overlay right. the whole yeah. time. And I want like, I want clarity. That, that's yeah. all I can ask for. Yeah, I suppose uh, when you get right down to it, just be as clear as possible uh, is probably the best advice. Because uh, even without some kind of body uh, legislating that, uh, the audience response and the hate mobs in the comments are a pretty strong motivation to be as clear as possible uh, in the first place. What uh, what do you what do you guys look for in uh, reviews? Not your own reviews, but like if you consume written review, if you even do consume written reviews, video reviews, um, that kind of thing. Because for me, it is uh, before I've played a game, all I want is someone to shine a spotlight on something I might have not known about. Like, if I know I'm going to play the the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I don't need to read a single review before I go in. Like, I know I'm going to play this. I love it when reviews or coverage or streams, or even if it's sponsored streams, shine a light on something I didn't know existed. Shine a light on small games like Island Song or or American Arcadia, which we were talking about earlier, or um, In Stars and Time, a really great new uh, little time loop indie game. Um, and then when I know that thing exists, I will be like, okay, I will play this. And then after I consume things, I love devouring coverage. Like when I finish a game, when I, every time I finished a, uh, a Silent Hill game on, uh, my streams, I would be like, I want to consume as much as I can about Silent Hill one to see what everyone thought of it, thought of it back then, thinks of it now, same thing with Silent Hill two. Um, but I don't, I don't know, like I don't use reviews to, to sort of, uh, dictate what i buy and what i spend my time on i don't know do you guys no uh, well i i tend not to go to reviews for recommendations just because i'm going to be looking into every single game anyway because that's my yeah. job and most usually i rely on you know recommendations from you guys or <laughs> uh sort of direct things in the comments uh, for people who like i might have an expectation know at least a bit about me and understand the sort of things i would really like and be interested in um, yeah. As for what I look for when I'm consuming YouTube review content, I like deep dives and analyses into things I'm already familiar with. Mm -hmm. I want to like listen to something like Design Doc or Game Maker's Toolkit or something like um, uh, White Light, going into mm -hmm. in-depth explanations of the stories of uh, well-known games. But uh, actually, the other thing I really like is something like uh, Ross Scott's Game Dungeon. Because every game he's done on that, I have never heard of. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, he doesn't necessarily recommend the games, but it's just interesting to see what he picks. Uh, because you can tell he's not picking games based on what would uh, feed the algorithm. Yeah. I like, uh, I like that. Say, I like finding people who give a lot of time and energy towards games I didn't know existed in like the 360 era, like some real janky. Like I, I want some, if someone's like, I spent an hour, uh, I have an hour video essay on wet. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I will watch this. Cause I did not realize there was an hour 
of things to say about wet, but uh, I would love to see that. Yeah, there's there's folks like Thor High Heels, um, who's a YouTuber I that I love, even, who does that kind of stuff. If, even the developers of wet don't want to talk about wet for very long. No, not no, for a full don't. hour. That's, no. I was that's too a, wet. I was at a game convention once, and a developer came up saying, hey, I worked on wet. We all hated working on it, and we loved your video. <laughs> oh, poor wet. Um, there is also that interesting, uh, I guess that also goes into, it feels like when a game, people are always wondering, why do games get critical reappraisals five, ten years later? And uh, I feel like it's because when a game comes out, everyone jumps in to give their opinion. And you get a lot of people who might not even want to play that kind of game. That might not be their bag. And so you get a big flood of opinions. And then five to ten years later, the only people who are still thinking or talking about this game are the people who like really gelled with it or sought it out. And yeah. so you end up getting the more like, not that it's like any a better opinion or or not, but just like a, a more like pure, yeah, 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 and like curated to people who mm. like this. This was absolutely in their wheelhouse. See, that's yeah. the thing. I really enjoy writing about games I'm passionate about, whether I really, mm -hmm. really like them or really, really hate them. Yeah. And when you when you're consuming coverage of someone who's playing something just because they were paid to, mm -hmm. you automatically know they don't have passion for it. That's yeah. the problem. That's, yeah. That's what I look for in a review. Knob gags by a cynical Brit speaking a mile a minute or a Midwestern lad waxing poetic about nostalgia. I just want that passion because I am yeah. a gamer. I want games that make me feel. And if they don't feel anything more so than it's just a book report, I don't care. I also mm -hmm. like um, dissenting opinions because usually I can see like, okay, they didn't like it because of this. Well, I do enjoy that kind of stuff. So it'll probably be fine for me. That's how, that's how I am with um. Um, with like skill up very very technical lad love his stuff but a lot of the times the things that he we feel the same thing he just uh enjoys something i don't or vice versa and i'm mm -hmm. like this is this is a great track record that we've established here so passion being number one and then to just i would say almost transparency so to speak i, I guess yeah. i want someone who understands themselves because if they can say yeah. I like games that are la 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 la, and because they're this fast, this felt really slow. And then I go, okay, I gauge myself off of that. Instead of someone that just goes, game is slow, game is fast. I was like, compared to what? Because yeah. it's all relative. So I need somebody who can establish themselves. If anything, the more narcissistic, the better. Because if the sun revolves around them, then I can just establish like a frame of reference from that point. So passion and, uh, yeah, I guess narcissism. That's the other thing. Well, and right. we've figured it out. Passion, transparency, and narcissism. There you go. I think that transparency is interesting, too, because I'm going to be fascinated when, first off, did you read any of the Bloober team updates on Silent Hill 2? Yes. Like you know, it just makes me depressed. No, they, it, there is like a hostage situation going on. <laughs> Bloober team released one of those like, we're sorry uh, images on Twitter where they were like, everything's going great. We would love to tell you about it but we can't because Konami is the one who will tell you about it. Ooh. And they're like, I'm like, what are we, what are we doing here? Are they like trying to be like Konami, please let us talk or being like, Hey, when this shits to bed, everyone blame Konami. Remember that terrible silent Hill Ascension game. Oh, um, so that's, that's fascinating. But with silent Hill too, I'm going to be fascinated. Uh, Yahtzee to hear your take on it, knowing your background and uh, Frost, if that is really your first foray into silent Hill, I'm going to be fascinated to hear that too. So I want to hear what like, games are weird things like i want to know what if what tears of the kingdom is like for someone who has a head injury and plays every zelda game like me or someone who's never played a zelda game i think that's yeah. fascinating yeah someone's super like me or super unlike me that's exactly just, exactly you know. yeah we're well, really, they, um, yeah. They, yeah. 
Shall we did we solve it? Chats? Did we solve the internet? Yeah, I think we yeah we solved it. Well yeah. done. Everyone. Oh, good job, uh, team. I can't believe we did it. Yeah, let's go to super chats. Remember, chat all your super chats in these episodes. They're read in the in the back portion of the episode, and we got some goodies here. We have yes. some goodies for sure you. Have. Starting with Dale Mallows, with mm-hmm. who gave five dollars to say good day, gents. Here are you fun words for the week: malarkey, flippity gibbet, and fartlek. Love you guys. Hmm. I didn't I, I, word flippity gibbet. That can't be real. I got I got red squiggly lines underneath it. I think it's Duck. as I understand it. It's yeah. a fairly archaic sort of Roaring Twenties era word for a uh, sort of uh, loose woman. Oh. Oh, I thought it was your wishy washy. Your little your your flippity flippity gibbet. Just uh, someone who's like a little yeah. yeah, someone who's a little bit of uh, you know, little bit uh, kooky. There you go. Uh, also, we had Krashnikov in the tip jar. Welcome back, Krashnikov. Welcome back, indeed. Hang on a second, my chat's rolling up. Okay. Uh, Hjorth87 gives a 50 Danish kroner. Says, anyone on the team play strategy games? Civilization, Crusader Kings 3, and RimWorld are my comfort games that I play while listening to an audiobook with my wife. Now, it's strategy is sort of a hard game to define. Mm-hmm. The Game Awards certainly seem to have difficulty with it. Ah. Uh, there are some games that you'd call strategy, like FTL or XCOM, that I really like. Mm-hmm. I think most right. games they call strategy, especially real-time strategy, I have no time for at all. Do they... I get very easily overwhelmed. Do they tend to mean like grand strategy, 4X and that kind of stuff? That's, That's the thing is it's that. such a broad, yeah. like it runs from 4X to, to Marvel's Midnight Kissers. Like yeah. that's like strategy. Strategy is that entire spectrum, yeah. which is a lot of games. Uh, do we have anyone who hits any of those? I sure, I tend to not. I, I, that's like my weaker and I'm still trying to do a couple of strategy crunches and whatnot. I'll play, I'll play a tactics game if it is, uh, I'm like a dog who you, uh, you need to feed a pill uh, and wrap it in yeah. like cheese or peanut butter. So I'm playing Persona 5 Tactica right now. If they didn't have my Persona, my Persona pals in there, I would never touch this game. But it has my Persona pals. And so I do but like playing it. Well, it's just Mario and Rabbids with Persona wallpaper on it, isn't and it? And I would not play Mario and Rabbids unless my Mario pals were there. If yeah, that was just Rabbids. <laughs> they're, they're bringing up Civilization, RimWorld, and CK3. That's like Ooh. a very specific kind that they're asking. Um, yeah. I don't. I try. I really do. I yeah. tried RimWorld. Um, the definitely games exist that just aren't for you. I haven't cracked mm-hmm. that code yet. No, yeah. Quite. I know Nick Nick dabbles in some strategy, but Nick is uh Nick Nick is kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to to genres. So it's hard it, to be a hardcore fan of strategy games. You kind of need that to be like your full time job. See, I'm fine with turn-based strategy because it means I can have some time to really, really think about it, like an XCOM and mm-hmm. uh, Mario and Rabbids. It's just real time because I, when I'm getting, when I'm having to deal with like five different parts of the battlefield at once, and the enemy are all encroaching without stopping, I can't keep up with it. I get overwhelmed. I want to focus on one person's problems. Yeah, That's probably why I liked uh, American Arcadia. Actually, mm-hmm. it's a game mm-hmm. about one person's problems. What's the best game about one person's problems? Witcher. Uh, Silent Hill 2. That is absolutely about one person's problems. It is. That really <laughs> is. Good on you. You had that one in the chamber. There you go. That's what I always liked about it, you know? They start off with the sort of slightly lame, grand, cult wants to take over the world plot in the first game. And the second one is just some twat. Just some <laughs> twat and his personal issues and his wife. <laughs> Love it. 
Bucket list gives two dollars. Does any thoughts on bringing back Let's Play with Gabe? Oh, for fuck's sake. We really do just need to have a big old banner at the top of the page, don't we? No, unless we keep no. getting money, in which case yeah, they'll, they'll keep paying for it. You take yes, that. Maybe if we hit a certain amount, we'll bring it. No, back. Okay. we won't tell you what that amount is because that's not money. true. Oh yeah, transparency. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot that we're not lying. Sorry, not lying anymore. Uh, Starting Timbo, ex- Timbo exclamation mark gives ten dollars. Says in this discourse, I always bring up Mike Rowe. No relation to the micro we were talking about earlier, I think. And don't follow your passion. Blessed few can make it work, but there's no faster way to hate the thing you love than depending on it for a livelihood. That's, well, I'm yeah, not that's... sure I, I agree with that. I mean, there's, I, I think, I'm sure uh, when I'm having to play, you know, the new Avatar game, I'll probably, that'll probably feel like work. I'm so but every now and again, I play new <laughs> games that remind me why I like games so much. Like yeah. uh, Oprah Din, American Arcadia, uh, Talos, Princi- Talos Principle 2, shut up about Sonic Frontiers, or I'll Sorry. slap you one. Oh, no. Or you could, you know, work construction or something like that. You know, that I, that uh, really makes you miss gaming, working in a warehouse. Has hmm. uh, Frost, since uh, when, when did you join uh, Recap over at the Escapist? That was six, like a year ago, six months ago? Recap? I mean, like Darren? Yeah, yeah. When we like, when when did you start like, like regularly? Ago, right like six that. months ago, something yeah. like that. Uh, did you notice the way that your your brain was different watching things once you it had to be incorporated into work than beforehand? Because it's hard for me to play or watch anything without thinking of how can I turn this into something for work, and that sucks. Which is why I love sports so much because I could just get extremely right, high right, and right, just right. fucking disassociate and be like, hell yeah, the men are hitting each other on the football <laughs> the field and I don't have to talk about this at all. <laughs> um, probably not. Cause I'm a, I'm, I told you that before where I was just, I go in with that. I don't care attitude because I generally don't. Mm-hmm. And um, I've also been fortunate enough to where I make a series that's about whatever I think and whatever I care about. So I don't yeah. have to look about like, Oh, this, how do I turn this? How do I turn that into a bit of money? Right. Um, mm-hmm. Monetize yeah, your hobbies. That's See, that's life as a millennial. Yeah, that that'll do you. But uh, no, I kept away from that. And, and my in my advice for content creators, you can do what you want to do. You can do what makes money, or you can be fortunate enough to do the thing that you want to do that happens to give you money. That's why I'm not sure how your views of that go, Yatsu. You've been doing this for 16 years. Very fortunate to have uh, had such longevity for it. Well, I think. Uh... Not having too many editorial obligations helps. I, can, oh, yeah. I still ultimately just play whatever I want to play each week and then write mm-hmm. reviews about it. Yeah, there is the like idea of like if you have to choose between two games and one is more popular and you think it'll get more views, is that something that's like well, crosses that, well, your mind? Even, even if it's not as fun to play, now playing the latest and most well known games is part of, you know, the the lifestyle of uh, gaming it, it gets yeah. you like clued into the zeitgeist and mm-hmm. that's part of the lifestyle i love even yeah. if the individual game isn't that good yeah it's being part of the conversation hmm. i don't want to talk to those people <laughs> well hold your nose because you know you're in the media now oh god yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Onwards. Uh, Max S gives five euros. Says, hey yo, thanks Yahtzee. Your Chizomythos games put Lovecraftian stories on the map for me. Now I enjoy them a lot with PNP, Call of Cthulhu. Cheers. Pen and paper, I assume he means there. Well, you know, we're all just passing our influences forward, aren't we? There you go. I mean, uh, you could always just read Lovecraft's original stories that influenced me and various other people who influenced me. I think the main influence behind a lot of my horror adventure games was shit like Eternal Darkness on the GameCube. What a a good one. What a game. Is that the one that messes with your volume and all that? Yeah, Yeah, that's the one. I like those, yeah. yeah. Feel free to gaslight me in those. It's one of the first (laughs) games to explore the concept of the insanity effect in the (laughs) Lovecraftian video game. Love it. Especially in ways that sort of mess with the player and their perception of the game. So they'd have the thing where the volume would go down and there'd be a little volume slider on the screen and you'd think you were sitting on the remote or it would pretend to be deleting the save games for a second. Can't do mm-hmm. that now because like, I haven't seen that volume slider in decades. <laughs> no. no. It doesn't age well. Uh, and then Wesley Thomas with five Canadian dollars comes in and says, hey, speaking of the Chizomythos games, would Second Wind do a long play stream of them or would that seem too self-congratulatory? I always find it a little bit painful to go back over my old works in detail. Like I did it once, my old YouTube channel, we called it the Ego Review, and that was a bit of a painful experience uh, even then. Also, how many um, how many of your games do you think would be like quote-unquote good for streaming because there's certain games like if something's real text heavy that's not necessarily good for streaming unless you're settling well, in for a lot of reading you get the greatest commentary yeah well, most most of most of them were text heavy yeah. like adventure game point and click stuff so yeah sure i mean uh i did a, like make a roguelike called the consuming shadow which would probably be the best quote-unquote streamable game until your next game starstruck vagabond coming next year hey get it before i like six months have passed and i decided i hate it <laughs> get it in that six month window hey but then five years from now critical reappraisal so yeah you know, one, one hour video smisk uh, um, audio gives five dollars and says just wanted to say that i'm thankful this thanksgiving to have y'all here thanks so much to all y'all thank oh, you smisk thank you smisk Brett Fountain gives four ninety nine and says, thanks for the background noise while I work. Oh, well, that was slightly damning with fine praise, Brett Fountain. Did you know Brett Fountain created the fountain pen? What Here's some mean? background noise. Well, yeah, that's his first super chat, bought and paid for. That's incredible. Grand praise. I, I think super chats have only been available on this channel for like a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Warrior4356 gives 4.99 and says, I thinking saying unbiased reviewed just means without sponsors having editorial influence. Well, no, maybe that's not what, what? Maybe in like People a technical who... sense, but that's not what the commenters mean when they say they want objective well, reviews. That is the Zelda. street. That is the street lingo for it. Yeah, but we know it's it's not. But it is keep keep your politics. Out of my that's, game. Yeah. That's a billboard. Yes. Keep oh, your wokeness of, out of my game. When most that's people say unbiased mean. reviews, they mean ga- uh, reviews that agree with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, fill my ass up in the tip jar. Just fill, in, fill that ass up with the tip Thanks, jar. Fill Thanks, fill my ass up. Thanks for filling my tip jar up as well thank, as my ass. Thank you for filling our asses up. 
John Connor gives five Canadian and says, will the shorthand for the new series be FR and SR rather than EP and ZP, or is the phonetics not as good? I don't think the phonetics are as good. Personally, I call them internally, I would call them fully RAM and semi-RAM. Oh, that's good. I think that's got a bit more of a ring to it. Yeah. Redeemed himself. Him. Uh, Fox <sighs> D gives five US dollars. Says, here's five unencumbered dollars. Say whatever you want, because it's worked so far. Thank oh. you, you big child molester. No, oh, don't say pardon. that. Pardon. Don't well, say whatever that. Whatever you want. There's a degree. He said, say whatever I want. YouTube is no. policing us. No. Oh, no. No. Bye, everyone. We need this money! <laughs> All right. Fox D isn't a child molester. As far as we know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no! Ex Extended Club Mix gives $5 and says, I would love to take this podcast more seriously, but it doesn't say 100% honest in the title. That's our exactly. fault. Well, and we need our faces going... Yeah. It does imply that we break wind, which is honest, in a, in a sense. Yeah. Still none of us wearing a windbreaker, even though we claim this is real uh, clothing. Nick, get, get out the shark robot. Get a, get a windbreaker made. They're not real. Well, There's no such thing. Windbreakers well, are real. <laughs> well, my dressing gown could probably break wind if you gave it a chance. Well, I know Toffee certainly does. Ah, a little farting dog. Little stinky, stinky dog. Incredible. Darwin's Dummy gives $10 and says, while I get Yartz's point that paying just to expose your game to a critic may feel an innocent living, it does provide an opportunity for buyers to AAA big bucks to dominate the public consciousness. Well, they already kind of do, Darwin's Dummy. They've already got um, all the marketing on their side. They're the ones who are able to put posters on the sides of buses. Also, I'd it is say, a... Uh... You know, at least if... Uh, an indie game can pay for coverage that somewhat levels the playing field it is also a it is not just covering big games because they are paid to cover big games it is big games generally big in, uh, uh drawing big traffic because people are interested in them and if that's how you keep the lights on like that's why everyone reviews Baldur's gate and, and zelda and starfield and like you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of a two-way street there. Like people, I remember people always asking, like, IGN, why did you do so much Destiny Two coverage? And it's like because at the time, you kept clicking on it, yeah. and so it's like, it's it's like supply and demand. Like if people stop clicking on stuff, then there's a good chance like you'll get less coverage of it. But if people are still extremely excited about something and clicking into it, even if it's a hate click, hate clicks a click. There you go. Blame the audience, not the author. Another theme that comes up in American Arcadia, incidentally. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to put the link to American Arcadia because a lot of people are like, what the fuck is this game? What is this? What you're is talking about it. Yeah, let me, let me clarify that because yeah. um, um, I don't think it's a mind-blowing game, American Arcadia. It's a sort of like run to the right uh, cinematic platformer in your sort of little nightmares vein where if you do anything other than what the game wants to happen next for the story, then you get f instantly failed and have to go back to the save. But I'm on record uh, with my fellow uh, correspondents uh, that it's probably the best ending for a game I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Which I'm so very excited to play. And you said it's relatively short. God knows. Yeah, it's pretty shy. short. It's, it's a fun story, a fun self-contained oh. story, and it ends as, as perfectly as you could want such a thing. Perfect. So that's my recommendation. Maybe I'll talk about it more in a, a semi-ramblematic in the future sometime. Semi-ram.
<clears throat> I've I've like gone to YouTube and I listened to the end credits music from American Arcadia like three times this morning. There you go. Well, it's stuck in my head. See, is that an unbiased review? Or no? Probably not. Maybe I just like that kind of music. Uh, SVS Guru 2000 gives 10 euros and says, whenever I see honest review, I expect some trashing of the game movie show as the other extreme of the perceived mainstream media shills. So I don't watch those by default. See, I brought this up over, it was during Thanksgiving that these people were doing that. They could have been eating turkey with their family, but they were fighting on the internet instead. Um, where I saw these honest reviews, are there dishonest reviews? They, you can have a series where you play the first 10 minutes of a game and then you review the entirety of the game. Or you just like say, here's my dishonest review and then make up like five minutes of complete bullshit about a game that's in your head. There you go. See, that would be nice. And someone even brought up where it's just like, that would just be saying whatever the highest bidder pays you to say. I was like, okay, I think I could monetize this. Yeah. I'm okay with honest reviews, but there's no dishonest reviews. See? Yeah. So, that's not bad. That's no counterpoint. Uh, Doran Grossman Naples gives five dollars. Says throwback to when Microsoft refused to pay VG Donkey for a sponsored video because he didn't like the game. Well, that's uh, showing your whole ass, isn't it? Well, I mean, okay. So I don't know the story of this. Was this a like they agreed to the sponsorship, they signed a contract, he he created a video, and because it was negative, they refused to pay him, or was it a hey, we would like to pay you? to play our game however you need to be positive about it and he said no and then they said no we're not going to do this because in that case that's just how business works yeah um however if he'd already made the video and there was like a tacit agreement and without um sort of those stipulations then that's shitty i don't actually know well, what the... well i guess we'll never know and all we can do is speculate we'll ask him next did you know donkey also lives in wisconsin yes What's Incredible. everyone doing in Wisconsin these Nothing. days? Nothing. There's sick all. They're buying uncooked pizzas at Papa Murphy's. Have you seen that yet? They have establishments what? that sell you raw pizzas. This man uh, had a dream to be a, a pizzaiolo, and he didn't have an oven, but he wasn't going to let that hold him back. Wait, exactly. how's that different to just buying a frozen pizza? And because it's a handmade artisanal frozen pizza. They it's make not frozen the well, I could they sure make I the get... frozen pizza in front of you, and then you go home and bake it in your well, own Well, even so, I'm pretty sure I can get those at the Whole Foods. They're sort the of funny like shrink wraps thing... in the grab-and-go cabinet. The funny thing is it's, uh, it's cheaper than like a cooked pizza, but it's more expensive than just a regular frozen pizza, and does not taste better than a regular frozen pizza. No, it doesn't. So, oh, yeah. They're just out here selling raw pizzas. It's crazy. Wisconsin's great. What a great state. <laughs> What a great skate. Top 50. I'm just, I'm just a little thrown by Frost's reaction there. I don't think there's anything weird or mysterious about selling someone an uncooked pizza as they can cook it at home. I mean, most shops will sell you uncooked food for you to cook at home. No, it's not a shop. It's like going to McDonald's and they're like, here, have the patty, cook it at I've home. Been, I've been to pizza places where they'll sell you like half-cooked pizzas so you can finish Ooh. the cook. You can finish the baking in your home oven and then you can it tastes more fresh when you get What's to eat it. What's going on here? It should be cheaper or they should pay me for it. Like, what is happening? <laughs> We're justifying this behavior. I can't have it. I mean, how is it different to like, they send you food and it's a bit cold when you arrive, so you stick it in the microwave for a bit. That's like you're kickstarting a pizza. You're, you're, you're paying for the possibility that it will be a good pizza afterwards. Yeah, yeah. See, this is strand type pizza. This is what... This is the future Hideo Kojima warned us about? Wanted. Yeah. Guys, do you realize we're a week away from possibly seeing more Hideo Kojima in LA at the Game Awards? Oh my god. I'm very god. excited. I hope he wears cool who, glasses. Who knows what to expect. Anyway, 
lots of super jets to continue getting through. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Batman's bottom B gives uh, four ninety nine British pounds. Says, have you had problems getting review codes? Being a brand new outlet, love love the content. Well, you have to get- ask Nick and Marty. We haven't had problems. We haven't really got to that step yet, <laughs> which is nice because we're pretty much at the end of the year. Um, so that is definitely that is a, a big goal for for January and February. And God knows, I want a Persona Three Reload code, and I want a Final Fantasy Seven Rebirth code. And let me tell you guys, those reviews. There's going to be some bias in those reviews. Oh, boy, there's going to be some bias in those reviews. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I, see, again, just to me, it's just clarity. If you're like, I'm yeah. the biggest Nintendo show, I'm like, all right, this is fine. As long as I know. Exactly. Yeah, and we've got plenty of publicity, so presumably the publishers know that we're not nobodies. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, I'm, well, not, I'm not too worried about it. And we got a lot, yeah, we got a lot of momentum. We got some sort of a second wind behind us. Oh, what do you know? It's, it's almost like that's why we picked the name. Uh, vulgar display of gaming gives 10 Australian dollars says no real message just said I'd donate when super chats are back so putting my money where my mouth is thank you, thank vulgar. you vulgar display of gaming man, man of his word uh, uh, Zaratha gives 5 Brazilian real and says one day the windbreaker jokes will go old and stop until then I'll enjoy the stream with a nice bowl of beans and spinach toot oh my god I love I love a, a, a sp- toot is very nice that was a very pleasant toot Thank you. Yeah. Uh, also, Hunter Roge gifted five member or five uh, memberships out to the second wind audience, including Alexander, Tyreel, John Snow, Grunger, and Lady Luminous. So, thank you, Hunter, and congrats to the rest of you for joining the Green Gang for this month. Well, shit in my camel's mouth. Oh my god! And Uncle Director Ultra Director Jester is in the tip jar. Welcome, and Chris S is in the tip jar. Welcome. Oh, no, this about right. your camel? What? Well, I was my just... uncle's camel. I just wanted to shit in something's mouth, and I guess that was what sprung to mind. Oh, it reminded me of this nativity scene I seen. First I time seeing it. Well, I was trying to think of an animal that started with sh, but none sprung to mind instantly. No. Skunk. That doesn't <laughs> start stir. with sh. Skunk. Shit in my shopkeeper's mouth. There you go. Ooh. Uh. Matt Faulkner gives 499 US says Yati there are so many talented voices on Second Wind have you thought about turning one of your books into an audio drama using those voices uh no dun dun uh, if we were doing that I could probably just get Audible on the phone and you know produce it through them because they're really into my audio books I'm uh, they've like uh, already booked the studio for my recording sessions for the next one so oh, that'll nice. be uh, this upcoming weekend and the following one sorted. That's exciting. Look at that. Just yeah, gonna, let, let Marty have a read. I'm <laughs> going to go in for two full-time sessions on Saturday and Sunday, so my voice might be a bit croaky next week. Lovely. Stay hydrated. Well, uh, I've got uh, my own methods. Uh, <laughs> drink tea, eat apple slices, and I'm use the- <laughs> professional-grade singer's throat spray every now and again. Yeah, I was expecting like a, something that sounded- your hours. Yeah, the way you were saying that. <laughs> yeah. that sounded really method. ominous. Yeah. All righty then. Yes, I murder small children and drink their blood. That is my secret. I knew it. Elizabeth Bathory. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, well, not too much blood at once, because uh, blood's an emetic. That's how they caught John George Haig. The creator of The Hague? 
No, John George Haig, the acid bath murderer. He was trying to get off on an insanity plea, so he tried to tell uh, the police that he drank the blood of his victims. Mm-hmm. And he'd never mentioned throwing up. But uh, the doctors said, no, blood makes you throw up. If he drank that much blood, he'd throw up. So that's how they realised he was just faking it. What a chump. The insanity play. I just had an iron stomach. Poor guy. Silly George Haig. Um, uh, Dio Dunker gives 199 US, says, wanted to tell Marty I've been using HBD for years. HBD for happy birthday. Yeah. Do you know about this? Or do you only know about this from us talking about it? I only know from you talking about it that HBD is short for happy birthday. I wouldn't have guessed that, frankly. I thought that was a very common thing, and I said I want to start doing anniversary streams like we did last week for The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's just called HBD, and everyone said that's not real, and it sounds like a sexually transmitted disease. So I don't know where we're at. I keep reading it as Hentral Business District. I keep, uh, to me, it's having big dick, like big dick energy. Yeah, because birthday is one word. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It doesn't make sense. I like having big dick, though. Mm. Anyway, Settled. on on that note, Opus <laughs> 4 gives 50 Danish kroner and says some money for the tips jar. Love your stuff. We get a lot of Scandinavian viewers, don't we? Must be, must be uh, prime time over there. That's the Mads Mickelson. Yeah. Mm. Mappy1964 gives $5 and says, Yahtzee, thank you for introducing me to the word ephemeral. A simple word with quite a lot of deep meaning. Yes, it's a fun word, that, isn't it? Ephemeral. Yeah. I like when you, when you almost do like a, a word of the day in a ZP. I remember elegiac from Cuphead. Oh, yes. That's mm-hmm. another one I'm fond of. What's elegiac? I don't even know what that it word is. It means having the qualities of an elegy or having a mm. slightly sort of moribund tone to it. Mm-hmm. I see, when I was Cuphead, the whole, the whole retro... Uh, Animation style always reminds me of death for some reason. Mm-hmm. Oh. Probably because everyone who developed old style cartoons like that are all dead, dead for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah that, that'd do it. Like, you can't watch that and not go, this is made by dead people. I see dead people's work. It's weird that we're getting close to that point in the gaming industry where uh, the creators of early favorite games are going to start dying at a very frequent pace. Like in the same way that if you watch movies and everything... Um, you know, the Oscars do an in-memoriam every year uh, to, mm. to all the, uh, you oh, know, uh, significant figures in entertainment who died. Like, we're getting to a point. That's going to start happening in games. That's going to be what weird. Happy now. Yeah. Onward. Have you seen the new Mickey Mouse animation style? I was at Disneyland fairly recently, and there's a new ride on there called um, uh, Mickey Mouse's Runaway Railroad. Okay. Which, you know, it's a, you know, it's a ride for kids. But I thought I was really impressed by it because it's got really interesting integrated animation technology. Uh, but there's this whole new like Mickey Mouse animation style that it uses that's sort of like halfway between Steven Universe and really old classic, a very early like Steamboat Willie style animation. Did you play that Disney Illusion Island game? Was it the same sort of animation yes, style I think that it was, being used? Yeah, yeah I think that, that does. Used... I, I think there's a yeah. Disney Plus cartoon series that kind of uses that animation. I think it's cool. Yeah, it has it has flavor to it. It's interesting how reminiscent it is of the really old sort of spaghetti arms, mm-hmm. uh, classic animation style. It's it interesting that in that whole era, it wasn't generally accepted that animation was for kids. That yeah. sort of became no, more prevalent. Those in like the, uh, yeah. And after like Disney did their series of animation classics, it became more uh, a thing that animation was for kids. And once but, it started uh, like feeding into the theme park and everything, and it became a... Uh, uh, yeah. 
Like, at what point did they start finally going, okay, this is more kid-friendly? Because even, like, younger Disney, Snow White, Cinderella. Yeah. I think a big part of it was, like, kids' Saturday morning cartoons as well. Uh, Sure. And, like, the, from, like, the 60s onwards. Yeah. Because, like, the Flintstones was always, like, an animated sitcom. It had, like, a laugh track and everything. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it was about about middle-aged people. Yeah. Domestic violence, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for kids. Not wearing pants at work. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Laura Light's video archive gives 489 US. Says, hey, Yate, have you ever thought of doing a retrospect on EVE Online or paid much attention to press around EVE Vanguard? Love you guys. Salute. Uh, no, I have not. I've, I have spared nary a brain cell for EVE Online since my original review of it, frankly. Hmm. Uh, however, we did a we did a large, a uh, big, a big old documentary on Eve Online um, back at the Escapist that you can check out. Both the game and the fan fest. It's around again. Thumbs up. Uh, Rhythm Hawk gives nine eighty nine US says regarding the mainstream outlets, the perception that they are less honest for me comes with the inconsistent standards they use <clears> to <throat> review. Go to example is COD Invisible, uh, not Invisible, uh, Infinite. Infinite Warfare. With IGN scoring it nine out of ten. Thoughts? Let's do a quick thing right here. Hold on. On a scale of one to ten, ten being the highest sea of stars, what do you rate it, Marty? Eight. Yahtzee. Don't make me do this. Do it quick. I'm, philo- I'm philosophically Just against. Go. I, don't, I don't care about your philosophical unity. <laughs> go. All right, seven and a half. All right, and mine would be a five. You see how inconsistent that was, and we all have different backgrounds. But that's just how IGN goes about it. Yeah. It's different, different human beings. Different human beings review these games. I, yeah. I did the same thing. I reviewed a couple of Assassin's Creed games, and I got yelled at because I said this was my favorite one in years. And then they were like, but your score is lower than the last one. And yes. I was like, well, there, I is, there is an, an inherent inconsistency with scores. Yeah. Because, you know, not every game can be summarized you know, from a 1 to 10 scale. Yeah, not even like a, an eight out of ten. Is that a is that a game punching above its weight, or is that a game that should have been great and went to shit? You know, it's, yeah. it's just different. You can't, scores just suck. A simple. Also, fact. you hear that last week we had uh, we had you and Stefan who both uh, weren't crazy about Alan Wake two. And meanwhile, you got Alan Wake two getting nominated for awards up the wazoo because a lot of people are crazy for it. So different strokes, different folks, and whatnot. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I only said seven and a half because that's like the milk toast score that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and I said five because I'm not an RPG guy, but I was forced a JRPG guy, but I forced myself to give a score. You see, and yeah, it was, was on the say, spot. You can, like you can't say I was forced. System. You forced yourself. I, you know, I wouldn't force you guys to do something I wouldn't do. There you go. That's kind of you. No, I think Toffee's impatient for his walk. Uh, mm. Warlord for Warrior four three five six. Warrior's got uh three R's in it, by the way. Warrior four three five six gives four ninety nine US and says overlooked indie game I love Heat Signature, part of the Defenestration trilogy with Gunpoint, might be worth a look for its design. I think it's the third game it. in the Defenestration trilogy. That was the what? Tom Francis's games, right? Yeah, he was a former game critic who became a developer. Yeah, I think I started Heat Signature. I don't think I put any more time into it. His gun. His first game was Gunpoint, I think. That was, yeah, his first game's gone. Gunpoint. Yeah. So I'm not sure what this the third defenestration game is. Super Mario Wonder. Do people get thrown through windows in that a lot? Did they? They might. They might. There's oh. no way to know. To defenestrate, do you have to be thrown, or can you just jump? No, you can self defenestrate. 
But that's a different word. Okay. I mean, so the literal, I mean, the word literally is just means to put through a window okay. or to exit through a window because fenestra mm -hmm. is Latin for window. Hmm. To unwindow yourself. <laughs> to unwindow yourself. Uh, Loki's wager gives ten dollars and says, "Would you ever consider doing some short stories set in the Jacques McKeown universe that aren't about the main cast?" I love the world building so much and just want to see more of it. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not really big on short stories as an art mm. form. I've never really liked writing them. I don't really like reading them. I'm more interested in like novels. Really, I like the long form experience. But you know, feel free to write fan fiction. I remember reading some erotic Jacques McKeown fan fiction once. I wonder where that, if that's still around. Still waiting <laughs> on the next chapter, him. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was the like the the predictable relationship between the main male character and the main female character. It was nothing particularly spicy, but it was there. Speaking of, speaking of clarity, I, I once accidentally read fan fiction for Harry Potter thinking it was like a missing book I missed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Clarity. This, if you take nothing else away from you, you don't have to be understood. You just have to be as clear as possible. <laughs> um, I was always thrown by just how prevalent erotic fan fiction was. Because I remember when I first got onto the internet, and I was just like a dumb kid and thinking, oh, I really like Red Dwarf. I'm going to look up fan fiction of Red Dwarf so I could oh. read stories about my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. And like 90% of them were erotic. And that, yeah. But that was a coming of age moment, I fear. Yeah. Made him the man he is today. Uh, Vulgar Display of Gaming gives 10 Australian dollars. And says, actually, just remembered I do have a question. Will there be a stream for the Game Awards? Big fan of the Award Stroke Showcase streams. Vulgar? This is going to be a world premiere right now. There will be. And I don't think that's a world premiere because I think I've said it before. Uh, yes, we're going to be doing our traditional uh, live pre-watch-along post-show shenanigans to the Game Awards uh, next Thursday, December 7th. We'll probably be starting that on this channel, the, the, the big channel the main channel, because it is an event stream, probably around 5 p.m. Central that day, because I believe the award show starts at 6 or so. So uh, tune in for more details. But yeah, we'll be doing our, our traditional spoofs and goofs and seeing what Geoff Keighley has in store for us. Maybe a little uh, Hideo Kojima just slipping in there. Who knows? You're going to do bingo. Oh, I forgot about G bingo. Yeah, we'll do some bingo. Yeah. Geoff Keighley. Geoff Keighley. Yeah. That sounds like you're insulting him. G off, Kaylee. G off, Kaylee. <laughs> Dundum. Absolutely Dundum. His <clears throat> parents named him that. Tragic. It's, it's a perfectly valid alternative spelling of Jeff. Mm -hmm. Is that not where it came from? No, it's not the alternative. Like, isn't that the original? I think so, yeah. Like, there's like historical figures called like Jeffrey of Monmouth, yeah, where it's spelled G E O F F, but it was always pronounced Jeff. It's saying G off. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have to remember, like, until Middle English, there was no consistency for spelling. You just wrote down how you thought it was spelled based on how what it sounded. a great time. We should go back to that. Words are jazz. Man, I was born in the wrong century. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, Magnum White gives $5 and says, I also feel that a certain amount of background is important for criticism. I'd be a terrible car critic since I don't really have a point of reference. Ah, but what about the fresh perspective? There's outside a lot of that art. nowadays. Yeah, they outside want virgin art viewers. is a thing. Yeah, 
I think as long as, again, we keep talking about transparency, as long as uh, the audience knows where you're coming from. Like, if, if I went into something, someone's like, I don't know how to drive, but here's my car review. I think that'd be pretty funny. What if, <laughs> Like, I know what I'm getting into. After how many car reviews are you now a car guy? Was it the Michael Jordan 10,000 hours thing? You have to do 10,000 hours of car reviews to become an expert in something? Yeah, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with the background, but more so, again, the clarity of it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, Chris Gaines 2000 gives $5 and says, Yahtzee speaks truth, as is his want. This donation brought to you by a successful monetization of my life. Profit off of me, profiting off of me. Thank you very much, Chris Gaines 2000. Want Thanks, is Chris. a slightly archaic word, uh, meaning tendency. So when somebody uh, took a bite out of your wonton, yeah. just left you with the want. It's a very useful just... word to know if you're playing Scrabble and you wanted to spell want with an A, but you didn't have an A. Yeah, and then people get really mad, and then you look real smart by telling them, look it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am a painfully smug Scrabble player, I'll have you know. That is, we, we I, I, always, I, always, I always make sure to take a picture when I use all my tiles and get the 50-point bonus. Yes, that yeah, is I, think, I think you and I should have a go, because I know your style. Ooh, look at him flexing his vocabulary. Meanwhile, I'm like, two letters, I just blocked you on the triple word. No, <laughs> just griefing? I, yeah, uh, just grief. Uh, I trust me. I understand the high-level Scrabble play. I used to kick ass in words in uh, Babel Royale, but nobody plays oh, that anymore. That. We'll bring yeah. it back. We yeah. should words with friends. There we go. We yeah. should organize a community Babel Royale night. I'll just Babel sit in the corner shooter. and just murder all comers. Uh, Diego Lomac, welcome to the Green Gang. Han, welcome to the Green Gang. Uh, Django, welcome to the Green Gang. And Shala the Prinny, welcome to the Green Gang. Welcome everyone. Sarah D gives a ten US dollars. Says I've seen some streamers who do a good job with text-heavy games by reading the text like they're telling a story. Kind of gives it more of an immersive feel to it while watching the gameplay. Well, to each their own, Sarah D. I've never liked that sort of stream. I always prefer the sort of commentary stroke analysis approach. Oh, you want a bit like for text narrative-heavy games? That's well, what I, j- I just don't watch streams of text-heavy. I mean, if I yeah, want no, to see but... what goes on in a text-heavy narrative game, I'll just play the text-heavy narrative game. There you go, yeah. I done. I do the voices and uh, not Dokapon. What's that? Uh, Dangon Romper? Dragon Romper? Romper? Yeah, Dang- no. Donkey Kong Rom-Com? Rom-Com? Yeah, I do yeah. all the different voices until I run out of voice. Uh, I played. Yeah. I streamed the first five hours of Final Fantasy VII last night. I got out of Midgar, and I did voices for everyone. It was great. Also... Tifa like says, billion Tifa says the R word in that Robert. game. And let me tell you, I was not a fan of that. I was like, Tifa, what are you doing? What? She said Tifa. Rochester. She did. Mm. She said Rochester, New York. Yeah. Uh, Who did she call game, her though. Rochester? There was one that went up the stairs. She was exhausted. She had a momentary lapse. It was 97. It was a learning experience. So she called called the stairs. (laughs) I don't want whatever you're gonna say. Just go on to the next one. Yeah, just fucking pet your dog and read the next one. Okay. I'm sorry I brought it up. Unbiased review. Go. I just wanted to know what she. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Will Power gives five dollars. Does people complaining about bugs in Starfield need to try Daggerfall on a PC at the time? Ah, well, standards were lower. Well, not just that. I've also never cared about that. Like, well, this game was worse. That doesn't change my feelings about the game I'm playing, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a good strategy. Play a shit game before a less shit game. It makes <laughs> the, the discrepancies between them. It's like, whoa, what a great game. Yeah. You'll feel better. 
Mm-hmm. But then it turns out like the Olympics are suffering. And I'm like, well, just because this thing is worse doesn't mean my thing isn't bad. There's an entire genre based on this feeling. That is true. That if, is you true. if you only exclusively play things that are really good, you're going to have a very depressing life. Yep. That's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, That's why I enjoy yeah, Wonder You'd be like the critic in Ratatouille being really emaciated looking. Right. If I'm not in heaven, I don't swallow. I feel more like Remy. Yeah. yeah. Whose hat are you under? <laughs> Big the real DJ gives five dollars. Says, "Hi guys, have you heard about Knuckle Sandwich? It's a quirky RPG that takes inspiration from WarioWare and Mario and Luigi. Not to Amori, you." I have heard about it. it just, I believe it just came out um, last week. I don't know anything about it. I didn't know the WarioWare part of it though. That sounds nice. See, I assume they're referencing like the the fact that all the attacks in Mario and Luigi are mini game based. But I sure, sure. feel like the Mario Luigi games got a little bit too minigame centric. I mean, I preferred it when it was just, you know, the Super Mario RPG thing. Press the button with the right timing to do a bit of extra damage or take a bit less health from attacks. Yeah, yeah. But, now, but by the end, like the last Mario Luigi game, you've got to do these elaborate quick time event cutscenes, mm-hmm. bash the button to make a train go along a roller coaster track. What? A half for five minutes. Oh, Jesus. Is that a common thing in RPGs? I quite liked in Sea of Stars where you're, like, deflecting things because I could get that thing to, like, 100 bounces. It's not a yeah. common thing in RPGs. That's why people liked it so much in Sea of Stars is because it called back two games, like um, yeah. the, the Mario RPG series. Hmm. Was it Mario RPG that pioneered pressing a button with good timing to do extra damage, stroke, take less damage? I think Legend I think of Dragoon came out first, didn't it? No, Mario RPG came out first. Mario RPG was oh. a Super Nintendo game. Dragoon was a PS1 game, so... Hot damn. Um, yeah, that might that might be the first. I did that with all my RPGs back in the day. I did that with like Chrono Trigger and Earthbound. And whenever I'd get a critical hit, I'd be like, "That's because my timing was right," even though that was not a mechanic in those games. <laughs> that was just me being dumb. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, Fox D comes, who I referred to as a child molester earlier. You'll remember, gives two dollars and says, "Yahtzee, you magnificent madman! No kids diddled." Great. Although legally binding, let's settle his word for that. Legally binding. What about extended club mix? What does six minute club mix <laughs> have to say? Yeah. What does extended club mix have to say? Ex- extended club mix gives ten dollars to say I think of honest reviews the same way as I do when a mechanic has a sign that says most reliable or a pizza place is <laughs> best in the city. Hyperbole meant to attract attention or you know a lie. My favorite the- is the closing down. You know, like mattress shops. Yeah. yeah, clearance it's sales. Several it's years. Yeah. yeah. Like, hmm, you're not closing you know, down. Like these are the mechanics who say most reliable, they should they should use spurious rigor to their advantage. They should mm. say something like second most reliable place in town. Because yeah. uh, the whole point of spurious rigor is that it's unlike saying you're the most reliable in town, it implies there's been some thought about it. Yeah. Like, the way it's usually used is, say, in adverts, they'll say, our product has been proven to kill 99% of germs. And they never say kill all germs or kill 100% of germs. Right. Because by saying 99% implies there's been some rigorous study. That's good. Yeah, so it would be like honest-ish reviews. They would do better than just honest reviews. Mostly honest reviews. Second most honest reviews on the internet, according to What Review magazine. Two truths and a, a lie review. Uh, Witticism gives five dollars and says, "For what it's worth, I think you're all upfront with your opinions. If they get filtered due to dollars, they still come out genuine. Good podcast today. Thank you. And and every Monday, Witticism, there will be good podcasts. 
Sometimes uh, and, with uh, guests, perhaps. Uh, 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 Sudip, welcome to the tip jar as well, Sudip. Uh, oh, look who it is. It's Wojtek. The bear. Remember back back in slightly something else days where Wojtek taught us about Wojtek the bear and how to pronounce his name. It's incredible. Oh, who gives $5 and says, nothing to add, just happy to start the week with the new podcast. Thank you, Wojtek. Or is it Wojtek? Is that, what is that? Wojtek. Is that Polish? Is it Welsh? It's, Pol- it's Polish. Wojtek was a bear, a, a bear who was liberated from a zoo in World War II and fought alongside uh, the army and smoked cigarettes and helped them carry uh, ammunition and became a general. And I think what? a lot of those facts are wrong, but like the gist of it is correct. That's like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah if Winnie the Pooh killed Nazis. <laughs> yeah. No, Canadian army. Yeah. 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 What was Paddington doing before he left Darkest Peru? Aiding like the local gorillas, perhaps. He was like four. Yeah, that's pretty old for a bear. Uh, like a four-year-old bear could fuck you up. Paddington would have been a Sandinista. Uh, oh, look, it's filled my ass up with 200 kroner. Oh, my God, Phil. Who says, I always had a skeptical look on influencers. It seems a lot of them seem to want to be an extension of a publisher's marketing, saying whatever will get them early access, while official outlets fear the blacklisting. Well, you know, if anyone is like really enthusiastic for their new gamer chair on stream, probably safe to discount their opinions. <laughs> I do not have a gamer chair, so I feel, I feel, I feel uh, uh, saved. You're not thinking what I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Onward. <laughs> I just um, thinking back to Ninja and when he like uh, when he was like riding high doing Fortnite streaming and showed off his special streaming room, which was like covered in neon blue LEDs. And he had a special gamer chair and everything. And like, you know, cut price Starship Enterprise. Yeah, no, he was decked out him. I mean, if you want to be in marketing, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure, as long yeah, as you're yeah. transparent. Yeah. If people want to pay me to wear their logos on my streams? That sounds great. Oh, Step yeah. me out like a NASCAR. Yeah, welcome to Shell Up Shundays. Yeah. We're brought to you by Sean Connery. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Out from there. I love uh, Papa Murphy's. But Django gives 20 US dollars and says, I used to work at Papa Murphy's a long time oh. ago for a few years. And I will tell you, the pizzas are actually really good. It depends upon the store, of course, but the pizza was always good. Frost is a fake pizza fan. Oh my God, a fake pizza boy? No, I'm not a fan of fake pizza. I've had the finest of pizzas, yeah. Did you, have you ever been to the pizza region of Italy? No, I haven't. You're right. It's all just sparkling paisans. <laughs> Uh, Sudip gives 80 Indian rupees and says, what are your thoughts on Starfield? Well, I could tell you a pretty good way you could find out, Sudip, is you could go and watch the zero punctuation on it. You know, which, and you know that's not our IP anymore, but it doesn't change the fact that it's still my thoughts. That's what I like about you. Look at that. He's not redoing them. He's just like, I said it. It's staying. Yeah. It's I don't want to think about up. Starfield again. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Still, all still up there. It's all water under the bridge, as far as I'm concerned. It's not like we're now saying that I never did zero punctuations for the Escapist. You've been dead for 16 years. Uh, I didn't. I've, I only put like three hours into Starfield, and uh, I came to the conclusion I come to in every Bethesda game, which is these games aren't for me. Hey, yeah. Um, mine was weird. I don't. I, I put that down to just the bugs or something. 
um, that were very like, come on, come on, play with us. Because it was those, those few, like three rangers at the start that's like, oh, get out of here. But they're sitting right behind a pile of red barrels. Yeah. And I couldn't, re- I yeah. saved right there because I couldn't resist shooting them for being such a cunt. Magnus the Red, you watch my Spider Man 2 Zero Punctuation if you want. I don't care. <laughs> it's the only way you're going to find out my opinions on Spider Man 2. Watch all those, like, I'm proud of a bunch of shit. I got that Resi Zero video. Watch that Resi Zero video. All our old Dokapon streams, those are great. Yeah, oh. we took pride in our work. Not yeah, mine. We're not they're dead to me. In, uh, no. we're not to make... <laughs> if you watch an old cold take, you're, you're not loyal at all. Anyway, Humane Shield gives 499 US. There's always loved that the one time Yahtzee went to E3 was the events last year. Marty, I've now taken on the task of spreading HBD to everyone I meet. Well, that's so Mary like of a, HBD. Sounds like a disease. That's venereal. <laughs> yeah, you killed yes. E3. How do you feel about that? What if what if GDC never exists anymore because of you? Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Rusted. Wait, the the game developer conference? Yeah, he went to it last year. Oh, that one's fun. E3 is the one yeah. I could do without. Yeah, fair enough. Hairy bum disease. There you go. That's what age. That's uh, that's what you're spreading when you're spreading HBD. Oh God, it's terrible. Christ <laughs> almighty. Uh, Miss Maiko, welcome to the tip jar. Thank you so much, Miss Maiko. Uh, Acerat gives $5. Says, should scores or reviews be redone as games change with constant updates? No, that's psychotic. Um, some do that. Like with Destiny, they talk about the patches and they, who is they? Shadow reviewers. Your job, sure. these days, your job would never be done. See, that's that's the point of that's why you do seek out content creators who only play one live service game. That's where I think they actually like Trump outlets is that they like all I do is play Path of Exile. All I do is play Destiny. Well, right? uh, sure. But at that point, that's, like that's you're the, you're asking the opinion of a McDonald's burger from that dude who's eaten a Big Mac every year since the 60s. Like, do I want that guy's opinion on McDonald's? I love him. Or the guy who was like, I saw Captain Marvel 154 times in theaters. I'm like, I probably don't need your opinion on that. That is Don Gorski. He dripped (laughs) too hard. He smoked too rough. They're going to kill him. (laughs) Uh, Hanuk gives five British pounds and says, Ever had a smell become strongly associated with a game? For me, the smell of wet paint is Fallout 3. I first played it in a freshly decorated room. Hmm. I don't think I've got any of those. I sometimes associate certain podcasts with certain games because I was listening to them while playing that game. Yeah, mine's music. Like uh, Ninja Gaiden and Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> the horrible mix, but it's there. Not a smell. Can't say a smell. Um, yeah, not smell. No, no, definitely the stuff I've had on the background. Um, or uh, I'm trying to think food-wise. I remember, for some reason, the weekend I got Mario RPG as a kid, when I got the game, on the way home, we went to uh, Dairy Queen and got Blizzards. And so I associate Mario RPG with Blizzards. And even when I was playing the remake recently, I was like, you know what I could go for right now? The Blizzard. Because those are fucking great. They put them upside down and they don't fall off. That's That's, very cute. That's what I need for gaming. Yeah. Yeah. What, the Blizzard test? (laughs) (laughs) Can you dump a game upside down and have it not fall out of the cup? No. Is that important that it not fall out of the cup? No, it's I just mean, the selling thing. No. Yeah. Do you know what a Dairy Queen Blizzard is? Uh, not off the top of my head, but you know, I think like, there's a lot of things that don't fall out of the cup. Like, it's uh, like an I think ice cream the... concrete mixer. And their yeah. whole thing is like, we can put it upside oh, like down a... and that's how sticky it is in the cup. Oh, like, a, like a McFlurry? 
it yeah, is. But McFlurry it is just solid from. Yeah, Here's the thing, though, about ice cream: if it doesn't melt, it's low quality. I'm not here so. for the quality, man. I'm here That's for the fair. You're here for the, here for the <laughs> defying physics. Well, yeah. If it, if, yeah, if it doesn't melt, it's from space. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta kill it. We gotta find another way to kill it. You can get like astronaut ice cream, can't you? There's just like freeze dried pellets of ice cream that uh, remain solid. But oh, you're talking about dots. Dipping dots. Dice well, in the future. No, I'm talking about, you know, when you used to go to like the observatory and they'd sell you astronaut food. Oh, like, yeah, like the dry, the dry ice cream. You two pretending that going to an observatory is a normal thing. Yeah, as you do. As you do. I, I went, went like a like, couple times as a kid. I don't know, field yeah. trip or something. When I was a kid, I went to Goon Hilly Observatory. There's like a whole science museum. It's nice. You talk about Goon Hill? <laughs> What's going on on Goon Hill? Goonie, yeah. Goon Hilly. It's the name of an observatory in the UK. Oh, forget it. Fucking great. Uh, real quick tangent. Uh, Dippin' Dots reminded me of the former, uh, it was Trump's uh, uh, press secretary or something, Sean Spicer. Uh, I'm putting this link in here because Sean Spicer, that dude was a, was a dipshit. He had a years-long feud with Dippin' Dots on Twitter. And when he became press uh, press secretary, everyone was like, what the fuck is the deal with this dude? And why is he always going at war with Dippin' Dots? And I found it very funny. He has such tweets as Dippin' Dots are not the ice cream of the future. And I think I've said this before, but they're not the ice cream of the future. He was very angry about it. It was great. Ice cream of the past even calls it. <laughs> Dance on their grave when they fired, filed for bankruptcy. I don't. Yeah. Well, uh, Stanton Ballard gives five dollars. Says, "I like the way Famitsu scores their reviews. I wish a few more outlets would iterate on that format." Love you guys. Keep up the awesome work. So I don't know how Famitsu scores their reviews. Four people review the game. Uh, it's like how EGM used to do it. Although four people review the game, and then they give you a t- each one has a score out of ten, and then the total is out of forty. The problem with that is how do you, like you can't have four people in an outlet reviewing the same game like that would ruin like productivity yeah. like you need four people to be reviewing four different games like that would that would be insane what if they don't like still, it too? Would, that would still just leave you with a number out of 40 which doesn't mean anything out of context they're also like those numbers are usually relatively close to each other you never have like someone giving it a 10 and someone giving it a 2 in Famitsu yeah. so yeah I just don't want to scale where we don't use half the numbers because anything less than 5 means you're probably fucked up like, it's not a game, even. Well, that's the yeah. problem, is, like, to be, like, a 1 or a 2 out of 10, you have to be, like, unfunctional. And most that's people just aren't going to review a game yeah. that is, like, yeah. or, like, that'd be, like, just going on Steam and being, like, hey, this one guy made a thing that's broken. Let's make fun of it. You don't need to yeah. do that. That's 1 out of 10 game is, is malware. Yeah. Uh, Late to the Party gives 4.99. It says, re-review revisits. Love it when games don't hit right the first time, but keep me curious. Some of those have ended up being my faves. I love that too. Uh, that said, I still can't be asked to play Cyberpunk again. <laughs> I'm glad I held out uh, for that. That's how I kind of, I don't know, I've, I've rarely hit a game where I go, oh, now I get it. Like, I just finished Hollow Knight proper. And I go, I respect you the older I get, but I like you less, and I'm looking forward to your <laughs> sequel. Oh, wow. Uh, Blue McDee's Nuts gives five US dollars. Says, any of you have a colossal fuck-up moment that a charming apology followed? What was the mistake, and what did you do to sort of write it? Oh, uh, I do that, have one of these. Uh, I once had a gag in Zero Punctuation. Let's uh, not... Let's... What? 
I don't know. I'm very scared where we're going right now. Well, I just said something that was interpreted to be transphobic. Okay. Okay. All right. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, once uh, that was made clear to me and I went over the comments, I realized, hey, you're probably right. That was probably a bad way to phrase that. So I redid the video with a slightly different phrasing. That's great. Good on you. That's great. Um, if we as people aren't allowed to grow, then what's the point? Yeah, like who was it that made that video but kept saying escapist wrong? So they redid the whole video. Uh, young Yay, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Good on him. Learning from his mistakes. Uh, what about you, Marty? Colossal fuck up moment with a charming apology? Yeah, you ever released any apology JPEGs? Million, I've never million, done one of those. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release mine and just blame it all on Konami. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't make mistakes, and if you find it, I will find you. So yeah, no. When I apologize, I, t I just tend to. I think the secret to an apology is to be genuine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I've always skirted the line between somebody and nobody. A lot of my mistakes fall in the nobody, so I don't have to make an apology. Usually. Mm. Well, there you go. There we go. It's true, Lampy. I did anger the Sonic fans, and then look at me. I became a Sonic <laughs> fan myself. So there you go. Uh, Lampy gives five British pounds, says, so I presume we'll be ending with Suica game as is tradition. Or you could put Suica in that fourth slot during the podcast. Suica in based. the fourth slot isn't a bad idea. That's funny. Guys, Suica game sure. is so good. I don't know what Suica is. 2048 fruit. Yeah. It's that fruit dropping game that's kind of like Tetris, but with, with uh, roly-poly physics. Um, and then also the, the threes thing of when two touch each other, they combine to make something bigger. Um, uh -huh. It's wonderful. It's 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 um it's great puzzle game of the year. Well, anyway, uh, Tower gives five dollars and says, "Would you say twenty twenty three was a good year for games? Trash Taste said it sucked, and they got put over hot coals for it. What do you guys think? I think it was a good year for being a games journalist because we had some very high highs and some very low lows, both of which are at least interesting to talk about." I think I mean, it sure, was... we had we had Baldur's Gate three, but on the other hand, we had Forspoken and Gollum and Redfall and all the rest. Um, but I don't think it was just high highs. It was an incredible amount of high highs. I think it was several generation defining games. Um, and I think people are going to look back on this year as like like 2020, 2017, 2007 uh, as as one of the all time greats, personally. Sure, hey. and uh, all the big developers are going to be working on stuff for another five or six years now, because that's how it works. Yeah. yeah so, see, so I'm I'm with the the gutter, if you will. I'll be with the the trash taste fellows. Where uh, when I think great game, great video game years, I think in back in like the early 2010s and whatnot, stuff like that. I feel like it's just been so bad the last couple of years that this one, uh, just relatively speaking, is a great year. Um, but just because my ex abused me and this one says please i don't think they are the nicest and you know worthy of a saintlyhood good year but not like uh oh i'll remember this forever it's more so if i remember that there was a pandemic beforehand yeah mm. i remember this year well i just I, think there's a lot of years where at the end of the year run up i'm just going today there was a lot of mundane and crap not worth talking about came out this year and this year i feel like there was actually some interesting stuff yeah. I feel yeah, like my uh, top five, yeah. bottom five, and bland five are going to be pretty easy to fill up these uh, this year. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, as far as like news stuff though, yeah, it's been all over. Like it's it's been a it's been something worth watching. I think we'll look back on this year as like what happened. Oh, I think it's been like awful for the industry. When yeah, that, at, that, when that you look at layoffs and bubble bursting and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean we've uh, we're right at the heart of that, weren't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that happened um, this year. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the one the one knock again, uh, you know, I'm still incredibly enthusiastic about this year. I think the one knock against it is so many of those big games at the top are the third, fourth, tenth, sixteenth games in their given franchises, which um, is not great. <laughs> I think it'd be great to have some some huge splashy new games and not just indies, but slow and steady. Well, they're waiting on Avatar. <laughs> this is gonna be it. This is gonna be it. Oh god, I have to play that too now, don't I? This is gonna be yeah. it. Yeah, we all do. We all gotta put in our time. We all float before. down here in Pandora. You know what I mean? That's what's changed now that we're independent. I have to play these yeah. big you games. You gotta. We've gotta get your takes. <laughs> uh, Raziel gives 10 Polish Zloty and says, Late today, so here's some dosh to make up for it. Thanks, Thanks Raziel. Raziel. And then Fungus Finder comes in with $5 and says, Yahtzee, this is the last step in my experiment. Likely, 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 likely. Thank you for your participation. Yeah, you didn't see. And it was in the Discord, he said, it was actually after we left, Fungus Finder confessed in the old Escapist Discord and said, I've been messaging for chats with the word likely, and I feel like Yahtzee's been losing his accent on it. I think, Incredible. Yeah, I think my accent sort of shifted along the course of all the likelies there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me try that again. Likely, 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 likely. Oh, oh my yeah. God. You, you got to like, lose it as you go yeah. through. Whoa. Yeah. I wasn't even trying to put that on. That's just what yeah. happened. Incredible. Cool. It's like the more times I say it, the more my brain just sort of clicks back into my original accent. You, rem- you remember who you are. Yeah, yeah. It sort of corrects its mistake over time. Uh, Dio Dunker gave us 499 US says, Fun fact Dipping Dots makes its money from its freezer technology, not the actual ice cream. That's well, absolutely that's a fun fact. I figured as much, yeah. Fact. And now, like, kids roll the ice cream. You guys seen that? It's like cold plates. Yeah, kids are, kids yeah, are smoking yeah, ice cream. That. I should yeah. get a cold plate for cold take. Think like about ice cream. Did, you know, did you know soft serve ice cream was invented by Margaret Thatcher? The Margaret Thatcher. The Iron Lady? Well, to, to clarify, she was a food scientist before she was a politician, and she was part of the team that developed soft serve ice cream. Wow. She probably took all the credit for it. Huh. She's in gastronomy. Oh, you know. No. Particularly ironic for British people because she was famously the prime minister who ended free milk for schools. Yeah. They called her Margaret Thatcher Milk Snatcher. That's such a good burn. Oh, that's so good. Such a good burn. Uh, and Ronald McReagan, uh, welcome to the Green Gang. I feel like that was very fitting. <laughs> that was, that oh, was Thatcher. Yeah, yeah, that was very timely. Welcome back, <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. McPresident. Toffee, why do you look guilty? Toffee's like, it's been an hour, 45 minutes. You, I you know, but he, just, he was sort of wandered off and was hiding behind the couch for a few minutes. And now oh, he, he probably did a secret poo. Song. Yeah. So I'm worried. I'm worried I'm going to find a secret poo as soon as we're down oh, here. Oh, no. Uh, an illegal poker game back then. Fine, you're going to find a little spooky on the floor. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. SVS Go 2000 gives 10 euros. It says instead of having a singular score, they should give subscores to different aspects of the game, like gameplay, story, graphics, bugginess, and what weights they give each. Yeah, people have tried that, SVS Go 2000. Yeah. People always insist on, like, an average at the end. 
Yeah, I was working on something like that just to humor people. So like on roguelikes, you would crack out the replayability ru uh, rubric because that's kind of like a big thing for it, whereas you probably don't care for other genres. But in the end, it's all just numbers and averages and it's it's hard. Yeah. Lydia Hollow Morg is five Australian and says, Yats, have you ever played the Jack and Daxter games? If so, what did you think? If not, would you ever play them for a retro review? Actually, no, I never played the Jack and Daxter games. That era was sort of a blind spot for me. At the time, I was, uh, I only had a GameCube, I think. I really like, especially Jack and Daxter 1. Uh, it had a, it had, the entire island was one uh, single location. And so you'd go yeah. from like biome to biome without like mega loading screens or whatever. And for one of the first examples of being able to like look to the top of a mountain and be like, oh, I'm going to be going there at some point. I know Jack 2 is one of the classic examples of the stupid, edgy, early 2000s sequel yep the gta-ification um, yes also known as the, did the same thing yeah, yeah was, there's a warrior yeah, within syndrome. before that no. <laughs> yeah jack one's great uh and phil myasup gives 50 norwegian norwegian kroner to say you should always criticize what you love the hardest what i but what i'd the harshest criticism you can give your favorite what is the harshest oh. criticism you can give your favorite game uh, Silent Hill 2's inventory puzzles are really stupid. Is it because of the times, or are they just stupid? Yeah, they're just sort of rather stillily implemented. Mm. Like uh, that whole business with using the wax doll to put a horseshoe on a trapdoor handle so uh, that you can open the trapdoor. That was great. Ooh. I was able to get through it easily because you brought it up like a week before I got yeah. there in my replay, so that was nice. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie might be my favorite game of all time, but it uh, before the final boss, you have to go through a quiz, and despite loving quizzes, it is the worst. Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on at Rare that they implemented. It is the most, like, frustrating quiz where it asks you questions of, like, here's a zoomed-in pic of a, of a wall. What level was this? Or here's a noise. Huh. What animal made this noise? And I was like, I don't remember huh. any of these questions, and, and was, it's, it's was very me. punishing, real pain in the ass. That was me thinking the quizzes in ukulele were just because they ran out of money. Nope, that was uh, <laughs> that was an ode. That was an ode to their earlier games and a thing everyone hated in them. Amazing. Well, there you uh, go. I throw in not a single game, but the genre. I love roguelikes. I hate how lacking of of transparency they are, and that's because the old games came with manuals, and someone was like, "Oh, the old ones didn't have all this information, so why should I?" Mm -hmm. like, no, they did. They just didn't survive. Uh, John the Gin gives 59 Nor Norwegian kroner, says happy new thing, best of luck going forward seems you've had a pretty good start, I just got a PSVR 2, do any of you have any game recommendations? Well I might recommend oh. getting an Oculus Quest instead ha <laughs> ha no, they already got yeah. one I'm trying to see if Sushi Ben is on PSVR, I haven't played it because I don't have VR, oh yes Sushi Ben, get Sushi Ben, it looks like you, you live inside a cool anime I'm putting a link to it I've heard oh, like 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 all the porn games. Yeah, but it's less I, porny. Okay, <laughs> I've seen seeing a lot of buzz around that new Assassin's Creed VR game. People I've are saying it's actually good. really good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't tried it myself. Yeah, I know the Resi the Resi games that they redid in VR were good. Oh. Um, always super hot and Beat Saber if you can. Yeah, mm -hmm. there you go. And it's insane to me that Half Life Alex isn't on um, PSVR two yet. Well, it's it's Valve, them and their PC master race and all that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, SVS Guru 2000 gives five euros, says, ah, yes, soft serve ice cream, the art of getting people to pay more for literal air. I got bad news for you if you like sodas, SVS Guru 2000. <laughs> You've that's been what, tricked. That's what makes it good. You need to yes. aerate some things. Yeah. Air, yes, aerating. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I used to get like those pots of chocolate mousse from the supermarket. Sometimes I'd just like stir it up with my spoon to make it like non-aerated anymore. I don't know why the fuck I did that. Because you ended up with like one third as much chocolate mousse. Yeah. What was this man's doing? Bang for buck. Get that air yeah. out of there. You got to get those, uh, those moose tannins out there like a nice glass of wine. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, oh, well, I guess we're at the end it. of the Super Chats there. Hey, we, we did it. No more Super Chats, please. We've stopped. We did it. Camden Ninja in the chat says, soda has carbon dioxide, Yahtzee, that shit's valuable. You breathe that out, Camden Ninja. It can't be that valuable. Ah. Comes out your mouth, he says. <laughs> oh, and there's Zaratha comes in with two R dollars and says, waiting on Marty's unbiased Sweaky game review. Uh, I, think, I think it's wonderful and I'm very bad at it. And I'm never going to get better and I'm fine with that. Hmm. Well, there you go. Well, uh, thanks for listening to the Windbreakers podcast. We've got original content coming for you every day this week, I think. Holy smokes. Uh, if, if you like my stuff, I've got a fully ramblematic on Wednesday. Uh, and I will be streaming some games for Yahti Tries Wednesday afternoon. And we'll have the edited version of that, hopefully branded by then, uh, up on Saturday. Also incorporating uh, the games I was streaming last week, I think. Excellent. Frost, you got a you got a new C take, don't you? Oh yeah. Big old cold take. I need to go hit that some some more. Like no spoilers. This thing is this thing's large. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, not even fully writ and it's already twice as big. Uh, so I'm excited. Normal, I'm excited. I just got done I got done editing like twenty five hundred words that Darren wrote about Doctor Who. And let me tell you, I'm ready. Oh no, I'm at three K and I feel like I've got a sauce. <laughs> Sounds girthy. It is girthy. Big girth. Uh, speaking of Darren, though, tomorrow, the debut of the backdrop, Darren's Ooh. new video uh, and entertainment video essay and show. And it's not about professional wrestling. It is not about professional wrestling. And let me tell you guys, uh, uh, the backdrop, uh, beautiful branding by our own Javed. Um, so tune into that tomorrow. Like, is, is, that, is the backdrop a wrestling move? Because it kind of sounds like it should be. Suplex, uh, I don't think no? just a backdrop. I think like you can. There's backdrop modifiers, like a DDT, uh, DDT backdrop, powerbomb backdrop, Stone Cold Stunner backdrop. It's like when they when they what the names of items in Diablo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Add some suffixes, some prefixes, new items. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, tune in for that. Yeah, we got all sorts of grits. Oh, and then later today, uh, we have a stream, which may or may not be with Frost, but Nick will definitely be playing with someone else, uh, Death Must Die, 3 p.m. Central, well, over on the Second Wind uh, Live channel. It's, it's, it's neat-ish. It's like, um, what is it, those new Bullet Heaven games, but it tries to do the Hades thing. It's, mm. I, that, I, I cannot be unbiased. Let me tell you, I'm addicted to that genre, because even if I'm not having a good time, I can't stop playing. So like that, right. th- that's a different review in itself. Yeah. And uh, is that all we got to plug right now? I think for the moment, yeah. Make sure you're subscribed over to the okay. live stream channel. Make sure you're subscribed over yes. here. We got so much Rambo, stuff coming for you. Yes. Remember, Second Wind is entirely creator-owned and independently funded. Check out our Patreon if you'd like to get behind and support what we're doing here. 
Thursday, um, Design Delve. Yes, and Design, Design Delve Thursday. Yeah. Everything's coming out. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Uh, a couple more super chats came in while we were plugging. Let's quickly rattle them off. SVSCURO 2000 gives five euros to say at least the CO2 is dissolved in the liquid under pressure and only comes out later. That was science. I don't know what that yeah. means. That is pure science. Welcome to the Green Gang, Rich Theobald. Uh, Lydia Hollowmore gives $5 and says, just saw the announcement of the backdrop. So excited. I loved the in-the-frame videos and was disappointed they didn't continue. Can't wait. They are absolutely continuing. Don't you worry. And then Camden Ninja gives $2 to say, Soda gives me a second wind. And then he says, Ba-doom. slash button. Well, I don't know what the slash button means, but that was, that was good. Was that supposed to be like a patoonch? A second button? What? No, I think that might have been like, I think Comjet might have thought like a thing was popping up, like uh, an emoji okay. or something was going to pop up. Yeah. Sure. Well, anyway, uh, that'll be it from us today then. I got to walk this very impatient dog and see if he's left me a little present in the office. <laughs> see you all later then. Bye. Thank you so much for producing, Eric. You did great. We did wonderful. I'm proud of all Thanks, of Thanks, Eric. Eric.